This episode of The Watching Dead is brought to you by Brandon DeVito of Brunswick Family Dentistry in Supply, North Carolina. Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this week we're covering Season 4, Episode 1, entitled 30 Days Without an Accident. Uh, a season opener that I feel like was a real season opener. It, it did yep. a lot of setup. Um, they didn't have a lot of a lot to work with after last season, right? I mean, most of the stuff that they wanted to wrap up was wrapped up in the least satisfactory way possible, um, except for the governor, who at that point were like, whatever, whatever. Yeah, we, that's the one thing we did want to see kind of wrapped up, and yeah, they did not do it. Yeah, the way they let that go out, we don't care anymore, or I don't. I mean, he, I'm sure he's going to come back at some point, but until then, I don't care. Right on. Um, so, do you want to get right into the recap, or do you have something to talk about up front? Oh, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about. We've got about 24 hours left in our Kickstarter. Uh, we just posted the T-shirt that you guys uh, can qualify for at some of the backer levels. Um, it's a really awesome design. If you are a fan of the Lori uh, Fiesta cast we did last year, I think you'll be pleased. It's a Day of the Dead-inspired de- design commemorating our Fiesta Day Lore. Uh, and it's a sweet design. Uh, we got it posted up there. It's the $35 backer level. There's all kinds of different levels with different rewards on it. I uh, just want to let you, everybody know it's the last 24 hours you can you can get in on this. Uh, we've still got two goals to go. One for my to bring back my survival guides. If you're a long-term Season 2 fan, you know what those are. If not, the website talks about it. Uh, second is the animated skits. We've already unlocked the skits uh, that we're going to be doing at least two this season of our, of our classic uh, Rick Grimes skits. But uh, Jim's going to animate them if we can get to the top uh, level. And really... We need about 0.04% of our audience to buy T-shirts uh, tonight, and we will hit that goal. So that's, that's doable, but, you know, we'll see. It's up to you guys. Uh, you, can do, you can check that out along with an example video that we recorded that shows the governor and Rick negotiating over our Kickstarter terms at twdkickstarter.baldmove.com, or you can just go to baldmove.com and click on the banner at the top. Check that out. Uh, finally, we are going to be at the Walker Stalker Con. We've been invited as guests uh, for November 1st through the 3rd. Uh, we've got a panel at noon on Saturday, I believe. We're going to be going doing a meet and greet on Friday and Saturday night. Uh, more details to come on that. Uh, but we also, as uh, speakers, we got some VIP tickets. We got a set to give away. That's two tickets. And Jim and I decided to make a little contest. If you can make it to the convention, I'd rather not give these away to someone from, I don't know, the research art, art, Antarctic research base on the Ross ice shelf, and there's not a plane ride back to the States in, for another six months. I never, not, I'd rather not give it to you, guy. I'm trying to give it away to people that can use it, but here's the, the, the thing. Jim on our instant cast had an idea for uh, to write a series of Beth journals. Like in her like dear diary style, whoever comes up who can use the tickets and can come up with the best example of a of a dear diary Beth journal entry gets those VIP tickets. So you get to go to a cool zombies uh, con, 
meet and greet some of the the uh, stars of the show, including Norman Reedus and Andrew Lincoln. I believe is going to be there Saturday only. Um, if you want to get on that action, uh, hit us up. Send those uh, pitches at watchingdead at baldmove dot com. And now I'm spent. I'm ready. I'm ready <laughs> right. to get on. That's a lot ready of talking, to get on man. to the main cast. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let me take over now, and we'll get into the recap. We start right. off this week with uh, Rick listening to his iPod out in the yard, and uh, he he's digging around. He's planting crops and stuff, and he finds a gun just buried in the yard there. Um, and then he takes out his earpiece when he sees it, and he hears a whole bunch of zombies chomping at the fence trying to get him. Uh, what did you make of him finding the gun? Well, since you posed that to me on Sunday night, I've been thinking about this a lot. And I think it's there's a little bit of imagery about the kind of reap what you sow. And I don't know uh, if that's going to be like signs of things to come that, you know, these and, and that, that also kind of ties in with his conversation with the uh, pseudo zombie girl um, from Ireland, apparently um, that, you know, actions have consequences and the group has shed a lot of blood and. Uh, done a lot of crazy things, mostly for the right reasons, and I wonder if some of that's going to come home to roost. Uh, if that, and also I wonder if there's a parallel to Carl. You uh, know, there could be. So I'm wondering, like, we know that Rick doesn't want to carry his gun. I mean, we see it later on in the episode, just a couple scenes in here. Um, and it, it felt to me watching this episode that something happened with Rick um, to where he made a mistake. That he regretted, and and that's what this whole theme of can you come back, and that's what like at the end when he asks Herschel about like can you come back from that, and he's and Herschel's assuring him, yeah, sure you can. Uh, I I feel like there's some mistake that Rick made that he really regrets, and I don't know if that is not being there for Carl and having Carl shoot that kid last uh, season, is if that's the mistake or if something has happened in the off season that we haven't seen yet. That's a good question. I think. That's a strong take, honestly, that, you know, he saw the fruits of, of him living by the gun, dying by the gun, and that his son has kind of taken him as his model. We see that there's pro- there's been a deliberate attempt to keep the children at the prison complex, children, and uh, Carl included. So I think that's – I mean, we'll have to see. There could be some um, – there could be some trauma, but – Honestly, when he was talking to Herschel, and Herschel's like, you can come back from these things, Rick. I think they're talking about him just going crazy last season. And it'd be weird for them to be having that conversation and not a conversation about something else that happened. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I'm my. I guess my only problem with that is that, um, yes, Rick went crazy, but like, why doesn't he want to carry his gun just because he went crazy? Like that, that seems to be a big point of this episode, you know? Right, right. Uh, and, 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 and the the woman that he meets is talking about, like, uh, the things that you have to do to survive. And I feel like going crazy is not one of those things that you have to do to then come back right. from. Right. Um, also, he started his day by basically putting in some earbuds and contaminating some water. Uh, <laughs> do you think and, – and we kind of see – lacks hygiene throughout this episode um and obviously has some consequences at the end do you think these are connected are they deliberately making a connection between 
uh, these the casual treatment of their water supply and, uh, and and people getting sick, animals getting sick. I'm pretty sure they are. Uh, like you, you said, it could... was made such a big point of to, to show like Daryl licking his fingers before he gives this kid a handshake later on. Right. Uh, and it, yeah, yeah, I think it is. I'm kind of surprised that survivors haven't made any sight line of sight breaks between them and the zombies because clearly. Um, you know, they say later in the episode that, hey, you know what, when we're actually working a fence, it draws them in and, and concentrates them. They could, like, hang some tarps on the second layer of fence. They would still be able to observe the zombies from the height advantage of the prison, um, but they wouldn't unnecessarily just antagonize them and be shaking their sweet, succulent asses <laughs> at them all day long uh, yeah. if they did that. I just, it's kind of kind of curious i i am the first to admit that i get off on the robinson crusoe aspects of the show um the real like frontier zombie living and i wish i think they we, we got a lot we got a healthy dose of that this this episode but i always want to see more i want to go i want to go full mythbusters on this shit yeah no i'm with you i like the the stuff that they build and the you know the logistics of surviving i guess is mm-hmm. one of the big things that i've always kind of been in this show for and haven't been shown much of it uh, Speaking so of, did you did you know the MythBusters are doing a crossover this week? I did. Yeah, I I didn't see the Breaking Bad one that they did. Although I want to go back and check that out. It was kind of disappointing because turns out Vince Gilligan's full of shit on <laughs> almost everything. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited about the uh, Walking Dead one. I love the MythBusters, and I think that's recording either tonight or tomorrow or Thursday. I, I can't re- remember if it's the 15th, 16th, or 17th. But got my DVR set. All right. Next thing on the list, Carl visits Rick in the yard, and he sees that Violet the pig, the town pig, is sick. Uh, Rick tells Carl not to name the food because he's named her Violet. Yep. Uh, And we see, yeah, so early on in this episode, we see hints of uh, problems within the camp. And I think those problems are just going to snowball and get worse as the season Mm -hmm. goes on. Uh, and that could eventually be a good way to get them off of the prison grounds, right? Could be. I mean, so they're so far off of the comic book page at this point. Do we – I mean, can we just oh, – I used to say my open speculation for the spoiler section. But now it's like I, I think I can just openly speculate and, and keep the stuff that I know is informed by the comic book separate. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, Yeah, I mean, as long as you – are able to do that in real time. So we're not spoiling people on the comics and, and we're making predictions not based on the comics. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll save it. Maybe we can talk about it in the spoiler section. Uh, I, I'm notoriously bad at remembering to do this, but I'm going to make a note of it. All right. Well, I've got a spoiler for you right here that I'm going to drop. Huh. I know what's making Violet sick. It's Walker rotted soil. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, uh, Old Rick was worried about that, and he got plenty of walker rot in the uh, season 3B. So, Absolutely. Um, the other thing, um, Adam B. turned me on to this in the Facebook thread. He mentioned, because we were talking about we don't know how much time has passed, he said there's a one possible clue that gives us a lower limit, and that's uh, Rick mentions that the Violet started off as a piglet. Yeah, And I did some research based on that, and I, I did some, you know, went on to some... Uh, you know, 4-H websites and whatnot. And I guess, my best guess here is that typically it takes six months to go from birth to butcher weight. Um, I don't know if Violet is butcher weight, but let's say she's getting there. Um, So 
that would give us around six, at least six months have, have elapsed since we last left the crew. Probably, realistically, more than that. That feels like a lot, honestly. I, I wouldn't have guessed that based on just but the think about the other evidence. We, we've got, like, enclosures built. We've got an adobe grill and sunning deck on yeah. uh, a cabana house around the prison pool. Uh, filled with contaminated uh, chlamydia water, uh, apparently. I, I think that uh, I think six months is honestly reasonable. Reasonable guess. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. The the stuff that they've built would probably take a while because because you got to think these Woodbury people coming in were not so hot at uh, really anything. I mean, these were the people who couldn't fight at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're not the the best and the brightest and the most. Uh, resilient of that Woodbury bunch. Not only that, but it, I imagine it'd take a long time to build something if you're just scavenging, you know, like if you have to bring the pallets back in a, a Hyundai uh, Sonata or <laughs> Tuscan, whatever the hell that thing is, uh, it'd take a while to bring all that back and, and get it put together, you know. I don't, I don't imagine the prison was just chock full of hardware supplies. All right, well, let's move on. We're only into scene three at this point. Uh, so Daryl's kind of, uh, moving around this, uh, Adobe thing you were talking about, which is not an Adobe. It's just like a, a tent or something. I don't know why no, I'm talking about the grill, the grill. Did you notice that they had this grill? <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah. That was, that's the Adobe part. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. By, by uh, which I mean, they just Photoshopped it in. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. All right. Um, so Daryl's getting something to eat and this kid comes up to him and says, Oh, Mr. Uh, whatever your name is, Mr. Reedus. Uh, it's a pleasure. To, it's an honor to meet you. I'd love to shake your hand. And Daryl's like, all right. And he licks his fingers and he shakes his kid's hand. Uh, apparently, Daryl has some status. I know he's on the council, the the quote-unquote council. And there is a council. That's a big factor um, mm-hmm. that we haven't really talked in depth about, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Daryl is kind of seen as a hero, at least by this kid. He would be seen by hero by everyone. I'm glad they finally acknowledged that, that in, you know, that, that he's arguably saved their bacon as much, if not more than Rick. And he literally provides bacon. I'm, I, I bet he killed those hogs, drug them back to the farm, resurrected them on the spot. Herschel pumped them full of penicillin or, you know, shocked with a car battery. I mean, he does so much for this group. It's cool to see him being kind of acknowledged and, also, judging by, like, the Reddit thread where, like, every goddamn day at least six people post their selfies taken with Norman Reedus, he just – that's just his life. Yeah. He goes around. He licks his fingers. He shakes hands. All right. Do you think it's possible that Daryl Dixon's thumb is patient zero of this prison outbreak? Because this oh. kid was healthy until he shook that, shook that saliva-covered thumb. Well, we don't know that. He may have given something to Daryl. That would be a shame. No way. No way. Yeah, well, what I'm thinking is, you know, Daryl's just such a badass that he's resistant to whatever he's got. But he's a carrier, so it, he rubs it off on this kid's hand, and it's game over for him. Right on. Uh, what do you think Daryl and Carol's relationship is at this point? I think it's to say a lot of people are saying that this is like confirmation that they're bumping uglies. But I still think it's – it. I've seen no evidence that it's moved on – uh, from the flirtation that it's largely one-sided flirtation that Carol is trying to push off on him. You don't later on in the episode, she calls him pookie. So that is a term of endearment that you do not 
just throw around. I don't think. But it's it's there's there's their interaction has been so playful so far. I don't, like I said, I don't see any real passion, and it's almost like Daryl's humoring her. I mean, don't get me wrong. Carol is zombie apocalypse hot. We've talked about this. I'm not opposed to their pairing, and I actually like Carol at this point. In fact, she, she her stock rose quite a bit in my eyes in this episode. I'm just not seeing the evidence that that's the relationship they have. Nah, I think are they're they crazy. Sli- are they so- oh, so they're sleeping in the same cell? I don't know. We haven't seen it yet, but probably. Okay, so we don't know shit. They're, so far, they've got a flirt- the exact same relationship they had last year, except for now she's escalated to calling him Pookie. Which is yeah, but she's doing it in a way that is like I know you hate this, and I'm doing it because I'm teasing you flirtatiously. Right, schoolyard schoolyard type romance, which is to say none. Which is not to say none. I disagree totally. All right, I think right. they're hooked up. All right, we'll see. We though. will see. It, it will unfold. Uh, so we move on to Glenn and Maggie, who are definitely hooked up, have been for a while now, uh, laying in bed, and Glenn's got to get up to go on the run, and he doesn't want Maggie to go with him. Uh, because, as we'll find out later, he thinks that she's pregnant. She thinks that she might be pregnant, too. And Glenn has got the well-toned body of a 14-year-old boy, man. <laughs> Jesus. Man hasn't shaved yeah. in months and is struggling to manage a 5 o'clock shadow. <laughs> I just... It is so hilarious, man. I think... Uh, I don't know, man. It, uh, it It's interesting. Glenn, Glenn should keep wearing shirts. Yeah, it's uh, um, Herschel and Glenn haven't shaved in roughly the same amount of time. It's crazy. <laughs> Six months, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they, they definitely uh, have a, a a pregnancy scare, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's more of a scare for Glenn than it is for Maggie, um, based on the things that they say later on. Right, but at this point... You know, they they did a lot of things where they jumped forward an interminable amount of time, and then they did a lot of playing with their expectations. This was one, like, you know, we're thinking, oh, my God, Maggie's pregnant. Turned out, eh, not so much. So there'll be a couple others, I think, around a lot, along those lines as well. All right. Uh, so then we go to Tyrese, who's out by the fence, and he stops killing zombies for a moment to talk to what's-her-name? I don't actually know her name. I don't know. We'll We'll either learn it. Over the course of the season, or she'll be eaten by a walker next <laughs> that next week. I'm trying not to get too attached. Yeah, well, I was waiting for somebody to say it, and they never did. Uh, I, I do Bri- know that she played a pretty big part in Woodbury. She was like second fiddle to Andrea when Andrea kind of took over for the governor. Right. Yeah, I've got some theories of who she's going to be, you know, because of casting news and because of comic book spoilers I'm not going to share, but... Um, and that, you know, even if you pegged her as a comic book character, that means next to nothing on this show. Um, but, uh, let's call her Bright Eyes for now. Okay, so Tyrese goes over to talk to Bright Eyes, and he tells her that he hates killing the zombies on the fence, so he's gonna go on the run with them today. Uh, it sounds Instant to me he... like they make a run every day. Yeah. Um, okay. I just wasn't sure if you would agree with that. Um, Tyrese... Not, like, super badass mode right now, right? He's feeling guilty about killing zombies on the fence. I don't know if he feels guilty. It just does look like it's a shit work, man. It's a shitty job. Yeah, but he doesn't want out of it because it's hard work or bad work to do. He wants out because he doesn't feel right about just murdering all these things on the fence. Oh, I guess that's an aspect of it. Um, That's what I, I was going to get into. That's part of the unpleasant aspect of it, that you got these stinking corpses that used to be people, and you're just repeatedly ramming them 
through the head with whatever's handy. Um, but yeah, it does. It's, I don't know at what point, something I've been pondering of late, um, on this project I'm working on, at what point do you lose your inhibition about killing people? Especially if they're, if they're walkers, I feel like I would lose that almost instantly. Like yeah, the whole killing Rick, walkers. Sure. You walk out of, uh, you walk out in your, uh, hospital gown and you see a half wasted away bicycle girl corpse. That's it. I'm I'm ready to start shooting anything that groans. Um, whereas he had to be repeatedly reassured several times by Morgan the day after he saw multiple Walking Dead that it's okay to kill these people, the ones that are trying to lunge for your face and tear it off. Like I, um, I Tyrese lost a little bit in my eyes. That's a very uh, naive, uh, kind of soft attitude. That I don't think you can take in this into this world. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you in that regard. I don't think it was untrue to his character by any means. I think in last season we saw him, you know, when they had the Walker pits, the Screamer pits, or whatever. Um, we saw him kind of disturbed by that as well. You know, like well, that's this is just because, wrong what they're doing here because of what they were going to then resultingly do with the zombies. I, I think it was more than just as like, this is inhumane treatment of the dead, you know? Yeah. Um, that's probably it too. Anyway, that's, that's my take on it. Okay. Uh, then we go over to Zach and Beth, who is Zach's best boyfriend. Now she's got a, a significant other. That's interesting. She's sweet on somebody. Not Carl. Not Carl Jr. I'm, sh- <laughs> I'm shocked and amazed. Beth. Yep, and Zach tells her that he's going on the run, too. Everybody's going on this run except for Rick today, I guess. Uh, so Beth is unfazed. Beth doesn't really care that much. He's like, uh, aren't you going to say goodbye? She's like, no, no. Yeah, she's keeping him emotionally at arm's length, and rightly so. I mean, yeah. It's it's funny to see the evolution of her character. She was one of the ones least capable of dealing with shit in season two. And yeah. now she's, I mean, probably gone too far the other way with the emotional armor, but uh, it's it's kind of cool to see her toughening up and 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 thriving in this uh, shitty world she's living in. Yeah, she needs to go out and talk to the girls around the fence because those girls are going <laughs> to get themselves in trouble real fast. Right, right. Um, but we'll get to that. So Bob also asked to go on the run, and he says that they should let him go because he's an army medic or at least he was. Well, that's, I think, uh, didn't Glenn make that point for him? Yeah. Yeah. He didn't make that point. Um, but yeah, Bob Angelo, who's played by uh, Larry Gilliard, uh, who's most famous for being D'Angelo Barksdale on the wire. Um, it's first look we get to see of him. I, you need to have a lot to work with this, this week, but, uh, I'm excited to have another veteran quality actor on the show. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we find out that he's medic. only been with them for one week. Yep. So good information to know there. Uh, then we go out to the yard, and Herschel is transplanting plants. With I think Rick. he's trying to teach. He's trying to teach Rick how to grow premium weed. <laughs> uh huh. Yep. He's like, Rick, you gotta, you, 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 I gotta show you the finer points of feminine and low, low low stress training so you can get your scrogs going and and you know he's he's talking about how you got to clone the females it's just really technical and amazed that he's spending that much time uh growing a a, a substance with dull your mind in the zombie apocalypse and rick's cool with it you know yeah well rick wouldn't have been last season but you know he went a little crazy <laughs> and yeah 
he needs something to take the edge off. Hers- Herschel prescribed him some uh, medical marijuana to, for his stress. <laughs> for his insanity. Right. That one zombie with the burst eyes looked like he could use some for his glaucoma. Oh, that looks painful. Man. That looks painful as hell, man. That was nasty. That was just one of the many nasty-looking zombies this episode. Mm. So, like, uh, zombies are essentially still human, right? They have normal physiological responses to a lot of things, correct? No. Like, like so, so if you shot up a zombie full of morphine, it would not even phase it? No, because its blood is not pumping. Therefore, it does not reach hmm. the brain. Okay. And don't All ask right. me how that works as far as uh, I don't care. moving I honestly, the body because I don't right, know. Right, right. Without yeah, oxygen, the, how you do the, that, the scientific mechanics of zombies do not interest me because it's patently absurd. <laughs> yeah. If you really want so, a pseudoscientific take on the patently absurd operation of zombies, go read Max Brooks' uh, Zombie Survival Guide. You will get far too much detail there. Read the whole book, was outraged because it was patent bullshit. I think, I think zombies lose some of their charm when you try to teach, treat them that seriously. Probably, yeah. They're not meant for that. Anyway. All right, so Michonne shows up, first sighting of Michonne this season, and uh, she gives Carl some comic books, and she gives Rick a razor, which I'm not sure why she did that, because it doesn't... I mean, he's just growing a beard. And it's a good-looking beard, man. Yeah, what's wrong with it? I don't know. Maybe he needs a, a clean face to effectively be the front man for this operation. I don't know. That was weird to me. It's like, it seemed like an inside joke with him almost, um, to where Rick mm. had been maybe complaining about his scraggly beard, and she had decided after the last trip there to uh, bring a razor back with her. Yeah, I was, um, I was, I was talking with Matthew P on Twitter. He he said that he's not a big fan of the zombie council, and I mentioned that. Uh, I don't know. It seems like they got Rick set up as like the prime minister, and the council is the parliament, right? Um, he's, Do he they? doesn't have any real, yeah, he's kind of like the inspirational spirit or not spiritual, but emotional leader. And, uh, you know, then we start trading like what we, if, if it went too far into political, like what we could call it. And I said, uh, all the sheriff's men and he suggested call it house of Carl's, <laughs> which I thought was awesome. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't feel like Rick is any kind of leader at this point. It feels more like that, uh, responsibility has been laid on Daryl. Yeah, well, but I'm saying the way the council was personally invested in him going out armed and tell, I, mean, I think that you're right. He has no real power, but he has an immense amount of respect from certainly the council. And I think, you know, probably everybody from Woodbury, too, because he's the one that kind of like led him from the, pro- you know, to the promised land. Right. Yeah, definitely. That's a good point. Um, so uh, we find out in this scene that Michonne has been out looking for the governor uh, apparently since the Woodbury people came back, she just left, uh, and she's been taking trips out and coming back. And this time she's going to go look toward Macon, I guess, to see if she can find him. Uh, she's not been successful so far. Do you, are you invested in this part of her storyline? I don't know why this part of her storyline really exists, honestly. I mean, it's within her character, but this is another weakness of leaving the, the governor around is you got one of your most interesting characters who's going to be, you know, pulled away from the prison and doing some other things, some other place. And, you know, going after the, the governor on horseback alone seems like a really stupid idea. 
I mean, you can't you can't keep Michonne from doing it. Obviously, I'm sure. just saying that it just seems really dumb, and and I think you know Daryl kind of doing and narrowing his eyes at her about you know going seventy some miles to Macon is his him trying to appeal like, hey, one badass to another. You know, we need you. We could you you'd be a lot more useful here. Um, and and the other thing, she seems kind of happy, so I'm not sure why she's still carrying on this vendetta. Yeah, I. I don't know. I mean, I I don't see the really strong draw toward wanting to find the governor and kill him in the first place. I mean, yeah, he did some fucked up things, but not directly to her, right? Mm, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you can kind of debate that point, but I, I see what you're saying. I mean, I maybe she wants to avenge Andrea. That's that's really the only thing. I think that's a solid, yeah, that's a solid reason for why she would want to do that. And I, I'll talk more about it in the spoiler section. Okay. Uh, I thought it was fitting that she hands Carl a bunch of comic books, considering that this is a show based on a comic book. Oh, yeah. I think that was definitely the subtext there. Yep. Um, And then they say that they're going to go for a run to the Big Spot, which is a big box retail store. Uh, Mm -hmm. Rick's going to check out the snares, and Michonne actually volunteers to go with them on the run. So Mm -hmm. she's going to stick around for a little bit and help them out. Uh, And then Herschel tells rick how to be a farmer um and that the council wants him to take his gun with him when he goes out to these uh snares that they've got set up why doesn't rick carry his gun anymore i know we've we've kind of gone into this but he it's it's just such a big point i feel in this episode um i i guess does I this don't know scene what lend any any more evidence to us no i don't know what we could add to it um, other than okay. it comes right on the heels of Carl resisting doing story time because it's for kids, and Rick's like, that's the point. So it's, it's more and more mm-hmm. to me, uh, as we talk about it, I, I think that that's more of a um, Rick trying to set example for his son, that you don't have to be the psychopath that you're trying to become following in my footsteps, that you can you can get by in this, this uh, world relying on other people um, and, yeah. and you know, that's being a, point a farmer. That- yeah, that's the point he makes at the end of the episode as well. So, Be, being a farmer is just as heroic as, and providing for people is just as heroic as you know something that Daryl uh, or Tyrese might do. Oh, are you saying Daryl would be as it, big a badass if he was farming? I bet Daryl Dixon could do badass farming. I bet your ass he could. All right, you're it probably involve, right about that. It would involve like. Uh, Towing an international harvester behind his uh, souped-up uh, Triumph bike, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he can make that work. All right, so Rick goes out to check the snares, and while he's checking them, he finds a very disheveled-looking woman who has apparently been out there for quite some time. She says that her husband needs help, and after checking her for a knife and giving it back to her, Rick uh, follows her toward her camp. Is this an extended Lydia joke from Breaking Bad? <laughs> she does look a lot like Lydia, yeah. And, and the actress that plays Lydia is from, I think, Scotland or Ireland. I'm not sure which, and she's got that kind of accent. Like, like this is what Ryson has done to her. <laughs> Ryson's, ta- Ryson's taken his toe, yo. Yeah, she didn't die from it, but uh, it did some horrible things. Another question... Why does Rick have a Qdoba burrito on him at all times? I don't know, man. That is a really <laughs> good question. They make it a point of being just on the other side of the fence, so he's not expecting to be out there for a long time. I mean, I thought at first, like, well, maybe it's bait for the trap, but who the hell offers 
<laughs> it was a like, it was a cat carcass. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she looks like she'd eat it. Granted, sure. Like well, she, she has eaten cat. cat carcasses, apparently. Yeah, but uh, I, I don't know. I thought that was just really funny that he just whipped out from his back pocket. Apparently, maybe that's where he keeps it in his holster. Oh no, he had his gun with him, so <laughs> he did. So he he had the burrito give, in his hand. I've given all that gun stuff up. All I need is this Kidoba burrito. Uh, all right, P- so pico de gallo and guacamole. <laughs> all right, queso. Add queso to that. It's a six way. I don't know. I know where it's going with that. Six shooter, six way. Moving uh, on. <laughs> all right, moving on. Uh, six barrels of of cheese and sour cream. Uh, Carl tells the kids at the fence not to name the walkers. Just exactly what his dad told him about the food. Um, and I like also, this scene a lot. I think it it is representative of what this kind of sheltering of Carl and the kids is turning them into. Um, they're not impressed upon the importance of being able to defend yourself from these things because they think they're safe now. Mm. Yeah, I, in fact, I don't. What in the hell are they doing, letting kids antagonize zombies in the first place? I feel like they just think they're safe. They're they're too safe for their own good, and that's going to, I think, cost them eventually down the road. What I'm saying though is that if if the show is aware of the link between presence of people along the wall and zombies clustering, why the hell don't they just have a rule like stay away from the goddamn fence? Yeah. Don't interact. Don't get as close as you can to interact with the zombies and egg them on. Like, yeah, maybe. I mean, so there's some asses needing paddling. Is all I'm saying. I mean, I, granted, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of corporal punishment, but it's the zombie apocalypse. If you can kill people for the slightest private vacation, I feel like you could probably go back to ass beating for a while too. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, plus, can I mean, it's agree? hard to keep a handle on the kids, right? I mean, Carl was escaping every single episode last season. That's what I'm saying, man. So That's maybe like these kids nobody... just snuck off. Maybe there is a rule that says, "Hey, stay away from the fence." In broad, yeah, the, a gang of a gang of preteens slunk off in broad daylight. That's about. That sounds about right. That's exactly right? what happened. Actually, I know. <laughs> I mean, imagine how Carl got out of that house with uh, on the farm. Good Lord, mm. there were 12 adults in that house, and Carl gets out. No, Carl's a ninja, and that's the thing. We didn't know what a, we didn't know what a badass he was. That's true. He is kind of a badass. Uh, all right, anyway, so Daryl's group shows up at the big spot, and they explain um, how they drew away the zombies with the boombox, which was kind of cool. Uh, then Zach tries to guess what Daryl did before the outbreak, which I was kind of hopeful for because I thought, oh, story time uh, for Daryl's backstory. But then, you know, chomp, chomp, he's he's gone. So there goes Daryl's backstory. Uh, he guesses that he was a homicide detective. And Daryl kind of fucks with him and is like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's totally right, man. No, it's kind of cool in a Saving Private Ryan, Captain Hanks kind of way. I thought I thought it was it was an uh, entertaining conceit. Yeah, no, I like that scene a lot. Um, although I did have one problem with the scene. And that was the gun safety. Oh, for Christ's sake. Preach it, Jim. This yeah. is my lot. This is my usual uh, bulwark, but I'm going to let you take it. This is not a marching band, Zach, and you do not have a baton in your hand. Quit swinging that thing around like it is one. It's like his mission was to fucking sweep everyone at that muzzle. <laughs> I'm going to point at Michonne. I'm going to put it point at Daryl. And that's fine because he's clearly a jackass, but could you – there's clearly no one on that set 
that is any kind of military or law enforcement or gun advisor. There can't be. Because if they were, they would be like, um, that's fine if he does that, but Daryl should jump his ass. Like, that would be a good way for Daryl to, like, bust his balls, put him in place. But it really bothers me watching these idiots just swinging their gun around like it's nothing. Yeah, I'm with you. That's that's one of the things that during their gun training with Shane, they just didn't fucking learn. Or didn't care. But it just ma- it really it makes me agitated, man, because you pull that shit on a range and you will get a talking to. <laughs> yeah. Or thrown out if you keep doing it. Oh, man. Absolutely. Uh, but then the group goes inside the store and we see uh, a whole bunch of zombies on the roof and a helicopter crashed, which I was immediately like, oh, man. Got helicopters on roofs. This really is a zombie flick. Yep. Uh, that gets my <laughs> zombie blood pumping right there. Yeah. It strained my credibility that uh, a Walmart could survive a helicopter. Because that looks like a big freight military Chinook-style dual rotor helicopter. Like a f- fucking heavy bird. Yeah. I don't think you could land one of those on a roof of a Walmart, much less <laughs> crash land it. But... Uh, I got to say, they, they stroked my belly and made it feel all right in the next scene when Walker started falling through the ceiling. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We had a conversation about this uh, a couple days ago after the episode aired, and we kind of came up with the idea that as long as something is really cool and it's kind of consistent throughout the show, we don't care if it's that realistic. Uh, it just yeah. can't be so unrealistic that it's totally implausible. It's it's rule of cool. Like, yeah. uh, zomb- fake zombie girl with Rick, not that cool. So I'm much more inclined to be like, oh, God, this this is a plot line that's not really going anywhere or it's going a long way to, for a very small point. I will go a long way around Robin Hood's barn if you've got a chopper full of zombies that's going to collapse through a roof in spectacular pinata burst yeah. watermelon fashion. And I will believe that your intestines can support you from a roof if you are dangling yeah. by them because of how fucking cool it is. Yeah, you can in a pinch. I think that's how Aaron Ralston survived in the 120 day or was it 128 hours. Uh he actually <laughs> yeah. used his his intestines as a makeshift repel line to get himself off of that cliff. <laughs> nice. Yeah, the, the the yeah, like the, they're like a 500 pounds test easy. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right. Um so we go to commercial. When we come back, they uh, Rick and the the woman are walking back to her camp still, and she explains to Rick how they ended up where they are and how Eddie, her husband, has kept her alive, um, and the things I guess that she had to do. Um, very very unspecific in this scene, and uh, we get to it a little bit later. So we'll just keep moving. Yeah, uh, the scene was there. Yeah, it, I mean, I don't know thematically. I can't quite put the pieces together of this thematic puzzle in this episode. I feel this like I'm a little dumb scene, for not being able to. I don't know. I, I, don't, I feel like it's it's simple. It's the same kind of theme we've been talking about for a long time. Told but, well, that's why I can't way. put it together because I feel like they wouldn't just go back to that well again. The, well, don't underestimate them um, or overestimate. I, I, the, here's my problem with it. It may look – Rick once again look like an idiot. Because there's a lot of ways you can handle that situation. One, you could take her back to the prison um, and make her wait outside the gate and then re- get like five or six people and go back and force to her husband. You could uh, tell or give her the sandwich and let her go back to the husband and then say, meet me back here. Uh, and the same thing, we'll set, up, we'll set up an ambush in case things go wrong. If she was the front woman for a pack of cannibals, 
he'd be fucking dead. He he would be dead to rights, especially if it was dumbass Rick from a day ago not bringing his gun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know he felt like he could handle this girl, but he has no idea what he's walking from, and he's just been through too much and has too much experience to be that dumb. Yeah. And the fact that no one in the writer's room said that when they're writing the scene kind (laughs) of irritates me. So I wonder if they think maybe he's been out of his combat role for long enough that he would be that dumb. Nah, I'm making excuses for him. I shouldn't do that. Like I said, I mean, that's the reason, you know, and again, some people gave me some shit. For rating The Walking Dead an eight, and I, I just everyone know, I always grade all the shows on curves. You know, like a a Breaking Bad Mad Men ten is not a Walking Dead ten. Yeah, uh, it's not even a Game of Thrones ten. So, um, you know, I think that that's an accurate rating. Seven to ten is is uh, is where this episode should be, and I super entertaining. I just thought that one particular plot, too much time spent on it for what we got out of it. Which is basically a moral lesson that Herschel delivered in 30 seconds at the end of the episode. You could say the same about our conversation about that scene. So moving on. People are the best defense against walkers. More people. We help each other. I kind of like that line. Um, Mm -hmm. But then we go over to Michonne who cuts a a zombie cutout in the store, which I thought was kind of awesome. Uh, Glenn grabs a camera and he's looking at babies. So right away I was like, oh, Maggie's pregnant, obviously. Didn't turn out to be. Looking that, at cameras, but... as Juan uh, TD pointed out on Facebook thread, that's that's super racist of the writers. The you know stereotype an Asian guy looking at cameras. Oh, that's terrible. Wrong. That's terrible. Wrong. Uh, and then we go over to Bob, who is thinking about taking a bottle of liquor, uh, and he picks it up off the shelf. He looks at it, he shakes his head, and he goes, "Nope," and he puts it down. And then all hell breaks loose. Zombies when you start draining, man. <laughs> so I actually like kind of the theme of this episode being you can't go back or can you go back, I guess, is the better theme for this episode. Mm. Um, and Bob being an alcoholic, you know, a recovering alcoholic, uh, because I feel like the mistakes that he's made in his life have kind of brought him to that same question. And he is challenging that himself that with that question every single day. Um, so having that be kind of his character arc to start this off in this episode felt right to me. Um, right. So then, the, yeah, once the shelf collapses, all hell breaks loose, starts raining zombies. Um, we get a couple of awesome shots here. The the zombie spinning from the ceiling is just fucking incredible. And that was that was that was such an awesome set piece. But it was the calm before the storm, man. Yeah, yeah. And and like, before the storm, we get a we go back to Rick for another meh meh uh scene well, although i do like when they cut back to him and this Hell woman yeah. walking there's a shot of a bunch of ants crawling across a branch and like swarming on this carcass of a beetle or something and right. it felt very much like what's going to happen to this prison very shortly especially since they're making a point about how boy you know the numbers of walkers we got pushed against the fence that just doesn't seem sustainable yeah. Or is it sustainable, but it could get out of hand? And, yeah, there's a lot of... So it, it was know, nice. The Walking Dead, that was pretty nice foreshadowing. Exactly. And, That's what I was thinking. And the thematic of burying the gun and all that. I mean, I, there's there was a lot of really good stuff. That's, again, this I think this was a very strong pilot, or not pilot, uh, season opener for The Walking Dead. Especially coming off of the disaster that was last season. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so here's where she asks him about, can you come back from the things that, uh, 
uh, you've done, the things you've had to do to survive. And I got a very creepy vibe from her. And I think mm-hmm. it's it's basically explained later in the episode what they had to do. Um, I don't think she's telling Rick all the things they had to do, just killing people and eating also, whatever they could find. I kind of thought that he was going to walk into ambush and he realized it because wasn't the point of him asking that question about uh, didn't, didn't you love the children leapfrogging statue or whatever sculpture and they're talking about the sculpture. Wasn't that like a test of her? Cause she acted like, Oh yeah, that was my favorite too. And I thought that was going to be like his, aha, you're full of shit lady moment. And then it just kind of went nowhere. Um, yeah, I didn't pick can, up on that, but I think you're right. Yeah. From that point forward, he started treating her differently. Like he was much more on guard and he was making sure she was in front of him. And she kind of, I felt like picked up on it, like was trying to get him to talk and, you know, trying to suss out whether he was trusting her, going to call bullshit. Um, but I can't, I couldn't figure out where I, you know, I I'd only, I, I really don't understand where she was. She was telling this story and about being a sculpture and she was in an international airport. I'm assuming that's in Georgia. I don't know. Is that just the ATL? Uh, I, I don't know either, but I felt like that was a pivotal moment that then didn't, didn't pay off. Maybe somebody else can help clue us in for next week's cast. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we're we're years into the, the zombie apocalypse at this point. It could be from anywhere, really. Right. Um, anyway, so then we go back to the big spot and zombie chaos ensues there are zombies raining from the ceiling and just exploding on the floor i god those shots were so good yeah the one that landed head first and blew up like a tomato can yeah. that was something else there were a couple of those um and the ones that landed like uh, just the thud when they hit would like yeah. seriously injure a normal like a living person but zombies are totally unfazed by that, unless they're. Oh, and then you saw the ones, the ones crawling that had like his foot fractured in half and was just hanging uh... on by its shoe, and like these hideous injuries they'd sustained, and they're just keeping on coming, man. Like the like the T eight hundred. Yeah, I love it. That's my favorite part of the zombie genre, is uh, <laughs> the zombies themselves, obviously. Right on. Um, how much do we want to talk about that? This is where Zach gets eaten, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple. First of all, it was a, the other thing that is annoying is Glenn had his full hero armor on. I'm not talking about the suit he was wearing. You and I both were like, why? He's wearing that suit. Wouldn't it be cool to show the zombie trying to eat him and it's like stopped by the suit? Yeah. That would be, but, but instead they had the zombie doing the, you know, anytime a zombie's got to hold up a hero, unless his name's T-Dog and it's time for him to die, he's already he's, he's given his three lines of dialogue for the season. They always do that, like, roar or hiss thing, like, ah, you know, for, for an implausible amount of time. But anytime it's, like, time for cannon fodder to die, zombie just goes straight to it. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I just felt like it'd be cool. Like, if you're wearing this cool body armor, man, have it, have it take some, uh, some teeth. Absolutely. I mean, we want to see the, the usefulness of it. We... This has been this armor has been built up as a sort of mythology during this episode. Let's see mm-hmm. it in action. I, I also like Bob, Bob Angelo's uh, talk to the hand brand of zombie defense. <laughs> yeah, he, he literally puts his hand out and is like, "Come on!" You know, uh, and then we start prying the zombie skull apart. Mm-hmm. I was primed for him to reach his hand in there and do the scramble. I'm like, oh, that's going to be right. I was actually disappointed that Daryl pulled him off and then had a pretty epic kill. But I, I was just, 
when I saw that gaping head wound open up and I'm like, oh, this is going to be insane. And I was already like having a zombgasm. Um, yeah. I was a little bit, a little bit let down from that. Cause that would be so disgusting to reach your hand into a zombie's brain and scramble it. Yeah. But you do what you got to do. If there's a zombie coming at you, you can't get away. Hell yeah. Squeeze man. their brain. Do whatever you got to do. Yeah. It's unfortunate that that didn't happen, but oh well. Yeah. Oh, Th- well. There will and be then- other chances. I'm sure. Beth's bow bought it, but who gives a shit, really? Yeah, I mean, we he, never met his him before. Whole, his whole plot was a crack-wise on Daryl and to give us a reference point for how much tougher Beth is. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, let's go to Rick and the Crazy Woman again. They finally make it to her camp, and her husband is... A head in how... a burlap sack. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was going to try to explain it more subtly, but yes, that's exactly what he is. Uh, she tries to attack Rick with a knife, and Rick dodges it, and then she kills herself uh, and tells him, hey, I, I don't kill me. Don't actually put me down. I want to become one of those things. Oh, you can't go back. She wants to join her husband with, uh, with wherever he's gone. Well, I, you know, and again, I thought it would be cool if we saw Rick after she died kind of like shove a knife through her head because why would you grant her that wish? That's yet another z- zombie that's going to be up against your fence in a couple days. Just that's go true. ahead and dispatch her now while she's not a, a threat. I don't know, man. It was her dying wish. Can I deny someone <laughs> a dying wish when they kill themselves right in front of you? <laughs> hey, man, she took his 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 gift Qdoba and looked it straight in its, its gaping burrito mouth, and I feel like that's, you know, all bets are off. De- death wishes are off at that point. All right. Fair enough. Um, so what about his three questions? Well, yeah. So before we get to that though, I, I wanted to ask you, is there anything in this scene that suggests cannibalism? Because she lured him there because it would be faster for her to get him there than get the pig there. Right. Well, because, but her, it's because her husband needed living flesh. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think she was going to eat Rick. I mean, maybe she would, maybe she wouldn't, but that's that's more of a byproduct of her doing poorly with her husband than you know, just like that's. I don't think she's been subsisting on uh, as a cannibal. Okay, I, mean, I, I don't know the, why. The other I thing up is that vibe. If she wanted to do that, she'd be way more effective as a lure if she washed herself up. You know, sure. I mean, if I saw her stumbling towards me, I would have shot her in the face. Yeah. Oh, there's a cannibal. She's dirty and scraggly. I wouldn't Obviously think cannibal. cannibal. I think. <laughs> I would think I would think zombie. She looked disturbingly like a zombie, man. She had the yellow teeth. She had the like weird cracked skin. I mean, mm-hmm. she looked as much like a zombie as I've ever seen anybody look without being an, an, an actual zombie. Yeah, I don't know. I wake up pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's All get right. to the three questions. How many walkers have you killed? How many people have you killed and why? Right. What do you want to talk about with uh, the questions? Um... Well, somebody um, – actually, it's Tyler um, D. from the UK. He wrote in and said, I get the feeling that the premiere referenced season three, episode six, episode uh, The Hounded in a small way. I'm sure you remember that Rick imagined getting multiple phone calls throughout the episode from fellow survivors who had died. The second phone call received is from Jim, who asked Rick if he'd killed anyone, how many people has he killed, and why. It seems like Rick's trip to Crazy Town influenced his own three questions as he uses the same ones on a woman he meets in the woods. That's yeah. that almost single handedly redeems that scene for me. That, yeah, that's one of the things I was thinking of while I was watching it. 
he's using something from his psych- various psychotic breaks in an actual smart way because say what you will about uh, uh, Ghost Jim, that's not a bad, you know, if, if you're wanting to get someone to open up and find out what kind of person they are, ask them those questions and see how they answer and then see how, if you believe them or not. Yeah, so the first question, how many walkers have you killed, kind of indicates how useful they'll be to you. I think. Right. Um, right. The second one kind of indicates how dangerous they might be. And the right. third one really just cements that, you know. And also at this point, like if you're two years into this apocalypse and you say you've killed no one, yeah. my bullshit alarm would be going off pretty hard. Definitely. Yeah. Because where have you been that you've not run into somebody like the governor or those guys from Nebraska uh, or anything like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, and, and asking no, I, them why um, – also, you know, you can kind of tell a lot by somebody who's trying to make a story versus somebody who has an actual story to tell. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I get that there's people that are good liars and whatnot, but you know, when you're when you're talking to a stranger in an authority situation, and you're you're, I, I feel like most people are going to have tells. You know, it's not like a lie detector; it's not perfect, but it's. I, I feel like that those are really good questions to, to, to ask. Well, unless you're Daryl asking. And, and it also, yeah, as he's breaking fingers as he goes. The other thing I thought was interesting is like Rick's, there's like dual purpose of that. You know, like why, you know, you, how many people did you kill? She said just herself. And he's like, why? He's, that, that had a dual purpose. And yeah, she, her, her, her statement was that you can't come back from those things. Yeah. Well, she so. had seen all of the people she knew killed, right? Well, uh, check out our show logo. It ain't been a, <laughs> it ain't been a walking apart for Carl and company too. Yeah, but I mean, so when Rick's talking to Herschel at the end, I mean, Carl did come back. You know, Morgan came back. Uh, a lot of people have come back from the things that have happened in Rick's yeah. life, anyway. And Morgan's uh, still an open question. Well, yeah, I'd I mean, like physically he came back. back but... Mentally, he probably hasn't. But we'll see. Right. Right. Anyway, so we go over to story time with Carol. Which Carol then turns into a knife party and uh, mm-hmm. teaching these kids how to use a knife and how to handle, uh, how to hold the knife and all these things. Uh, how to fillet a zombie like a fish. Why do you think she's doing this? What's her motivation? Oh, I think she sees the importance of being able to defend yourself and the rest of the council doesn't. Okay, so, but she's on the council. Right? She is. I think she – I'm assuming she got outvoted. Either she got outvoted and the council doesn't want her doing this or Rick just doesn't want her doing it because she tells Carl when he finds out, don't tell your dad. It's Daryl Glenn, Carol, Sasha, and and Herschel. And apparently, probably led by Herschel, he's like, we got to, you know, get these kids back to being kids. We can't have them turn out, you know, to keep going down the path Carl's going. And she, like I said, bravo, Carol, because I was never a big fan of that kind of sentimentality. I mean, it's great. It's great that we live in a, a, a world and a country where we're allowed to indulge our children that way. But it's not been very long that, you know, childhood was this distinct thing where you had innocence and, you know, a hundred, couple hundred years, well, a hundred years ago, your five-year-olds went to work at a fucking factory. Uh, a couple hundred years before that, it's like, you know, they're having to out. It, it, I'm saying the point that everybody knows that in this kind of situation, you can't afford to treat children like there's some special protected class. If you have some sentimentality towards them, that's great. But you can't let that not 
prepare you prepare them for the world they're going to be living in. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. That's that's insane to me. The idea that they wouldn't be preparing their children at all to deal with what seems to me to be an inevitable outcome of living in this world, being face to face with a zombie by yourself and having to handle it. My question to you is why did carl freak out about it why wasn't he like right rock on if i had known story time's going to be like this i'd have been in it to win it uh why do you think it seemed like he freaked out and flounced i don't know because carl at the end the very end of last season would have done exactly that um yeah there's something that we haven't seen between then and now um that rick has either really just ingrained in him the idea that that is uh, not the proper way to go or something bad has happened and he he chose that decision for himself you know maybe he's got some ptsd that he's reacting to yeah like you know he he was hard because he had to be but he probably doesn't want to be i mean he'd rather read comic books all night long by the flashlight so very true by the way did you have any problem with them frivolously using batteries uh no, I mean they have that generator. I assume there's plenty of gasoline around. Woodbury did not they seem ha- to be too starved for it. So they have a generator. Yeah, in the basement of the, the prison. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So you, have they did they establish that they got that work in this episode? No, but six months I assume you know something. Oh okay, <laughs> maybe um, not. I don't know. No, I guess I didn't because I just feel like there'd be so. That's one thing that you'd have so many freaking batteries in the zombie apocalypse. And very few reasons to use them. Um, and that they have a shelf life anyway. It's not like you can hoard up batteries in the last 100 years. So I didn't have a problem with, with you know, especially when you're faced with going out in the morning and listening to deafening roars of zombies. Uh, you know, a little country music probably go a long way. Probably. Uh, what I did have a problem with is their book selection. It looked like they went and just bought out a half-price books. Like the text section. <laughs> there was like... Delphi books and OS2 Warp. It's like, <laughs> what use are those in the zombie apocalypse? I mean, maybe if they're using all those batteries to run their computers. I don't know. Running OS2 Warp. Yeah. Um, uh, they were reading the they they uh, were reading the classy uh, uh, classic American literature. Uh, Tom Sawyer, Sawyer by um, Mark, Mark Twain. Twain. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Um. I think we're ready to move on to Vi- okay. the death of Violet, the most emotional death we had in this episode. <laughs> yeah, because there was only one other, and it was bullshit. Uh, back no, there's the two. Pre- was two. Zach died, and uh, young. I don't know what. I don't know what the. I don't have a pet name for the dude that died at the end of this episode. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the kid. I don't know his name either. Yeah, Harry uh, Potter looking dude. Yeah, so we go back to the prison, and uh, the sad death happens. Oh, Rick sees I wish he was dead. around because we could call him Boris, because he looks just like uh dude from Goldeneye, <laughs> oh, played by Alan. What's his name? Alan. Uh... Yeah, I don't know his name. Yeah, he's Boris. Sure. Violet's, Violet towers above Boris and Zach. All right, let's talk about this uh this violent death what is going on with these animals why why are the animals dying because there are a lot of them outside uh the fence that are just dying it seems uh, we got a lot of feedback on that so i would uh, okay so let's let's save that for the listener section let's do it uh let's move on to tyrese telling uh bright eyes 
question mark, question mark, uh-huh. question mark in my notes uh, that he doesn't like going on runs either. So Tyrese doesn't like doing anything that he's charged to do in this prison. Is that going to yeah, be a he problem? Should be the far- he should be the farmer. No, I, don't, I, don't, I just think that they're trying to portray him as this kind of gentle giant character. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. I'm just wondering, like, plot-wise for his character, where does that go? It seems to me that that would go toward... I don't like doing any of the things that are required of me here. Maybe I'll move on. Oh. Oh, I don't know. Because his sister, I, I think it's his sister, Sasha, um, obviously well ingrained in this group. She's a member of the council. I don't think she would support him on that. Yeah. Um, I think it's more that we're going to, he's going to have an arc, uh, an arc that, you know, leads him to, you know, take that lump of coal that he is and turn into a diamond. Uh, and get get maximum hardness going, and they're right. they're they're probably in typical walking Walking Dead uh, fashion. Uh, they're they're playing a little too heavy on that. All right, yeah, I can see playing, that being playing the case. A, playing a playing a little broad. Yeah, they they bust out the gauntlets a couple times here. The bacon gauntlet, yeah, sure. Yep. Uh, not just when Violet dies. Anyway, <laughs> no. Mag, Maggie tells Glenn that she's not pregnant. And she, she suggests that they can start making an actual life now. They're safe enough to where they don't have to constantly be in fear for their lives, and they can set up something real. Glenn doesn't think so. Glenn is of the opposite opinion. Uh, the only thing that kept them alive in Glenn's mind is being so afraid. So do you think she won him to her side at the end, or do you think this is going to be, you know, as far as, uh, like I said, that's another clear advantage that this episode had is it set up a lot of conflict to resolve. Mm-hmm. It's just like there's not just one note, you know, um, it, love triangle stuff. We've got a lot of interesting threats, a lot of interesting conflict that's being developed amongst a lot of interesting characters, which I dug. And, and honestly, if this is something that kind of Maggie and Glenn go back and forth about for several episodes, I could, I could be cool with that. Yeah, I'd be okay with it, especially because it sprouts out of the stuff that we saw in season three. I mean, when... They got captured, yes. and he felt very helpless to actually stop what was happening to her. Uh, I feel like that's this this scene here and his feelings on this are a direct result of that action. No, right on, and and I think that that's why that's the difference is that they you know we saw them go through similar things, they had different reactions, and honestly, I can see the argument behind both of them. I can totally see Glenn's point of view, and I'm honestly more sympathetic. I tend to naturally be more cautious and uh, hypervigilant, um, and so I kind of side with him. But I honestly think that they've got a really well-rounded argument out on Maggie's side, too, that, like, well, if, if you're not going to get busy living, get busy dying. Sure, yeah. So what are we – why are we trying to live just to keep breathing or we want to have a life? That's that's pretty compelling. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a strong uh, plot point. I like it. Uh, Daryl tells Beth that Zach is dead. I'm okay with that. Uh, Beth yeah. writes it in her diary. Her give a fuck meter is pegged. Um, turns over accident sign. Yeah, she asks, um, "Is he dead?" And I'm expecting Daryl to say, "Well, I got good news and bad news." You know, do you he's th- dead. He got eaten, but he's still out there. And also, I'm single. Um, oh, do you think that? Do you think that Beth is coming on to Daryl just a little bit at the end? No, I think you're crazy, man. All right, that's it's. No, I felt like it was more of a big brother type relationship than anything. And I don't mean that in the Orwellian sense. The only reason I would think it was inappropriate at all is the way that Daryl reacted to it. 
Hmm. Like if I was in that situation and a girl of her age and our relationship had come in for a hug in that circumstance, I would have at least hugged her back. Nothing creepy. Nothing creepy. Sure. Just a fucking emotional support hug. The way that Daryl is almost acted like he was creeped out by it made me think that maybe there was something slightly inappropriate or, or maybe that she was, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. but I also have to imagine Daryl is not used to getting hugs, right? I mean, he's he's, he's cool with shaking that guy's hand, but a handshake is something I could see Daryl doing. Uh, a, a hug with the, the 17-year-old the girl face. is probably not it. Or a punch in well, the face, there, yeah. There, there's more argument damning you against your uh, uh, shipping of Carol Daryl. Because what, if he's not used to getting hugs, if he's not used to getting hugs, then uh, he ain't shacking up with Carol, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he's used to getting laid. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, next scene, Herschel tries to comfort Rick by telling him that you actually do get to come back, and Rick has a hard time believing it. Herschel's got new legs, Lieutenant Jim. Magic (laughs) legs. Yeah. Made space age and NASA. Plays Um, a mean game of ping pong, too. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, That's a good skit idea, too, but I think we can do better. Uh yeah, and I don't know, man. You think Herschel's putting a lot of uh, pressure on him? That's like, you know, if I, if I lost Carl or Judith, and he's like, no, not even then, Rick. You're still going to be the man we need you to be. Um, hmm. Man, he's got to be he's got to be superhuman. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. But he's also trying to deliver a message to Rick that we can make it through this, right? We are yeah, strong enough to do this, right? So I, yeah, it's it's. I feel like ultimately it was more positive than negative toward Rick. All right. Um, the other thing I would actually like to see is a conversation between Bob and Herschel about his alcoholism. I think when that comes out, that's going to be interesting ah. because Herschel has that past too, as we kind of found out in season three. Uh, yep. could, could be interesting. Before I quit drinking, I got to dark places. Woke up, found myself in a 30-year relationship with a couch. What is that? Bad times. Remember, he said he said something about how he had this relationship with his couch because he he was making a joke about spending so much time on it because apparently his wife Uh made him sleep on there when he's too drunk. But it came off like maybe a little physical relationship with the sofa. Yeah, couch humping. That's all right. Yeah, the the crevice between the cushions was uh, inviting on those uh, cold (laughs) uh, nights in the cold, harsh Georgia winter. Ugh. (laughs) Vomit. All right. Uh, so we get a couple of quick shots here of Bob thinking about some shit in bed, his alcoholism, no doubt, uh, and yeah. how he almost lost his life. Uh, Typhoid Boris might mean well's dying just feet away, hacking up his lungs, and Bob. Bob's not eh, not concerned. Yeah, so the kid goes to the shower. He dies. We see some pretty obvious footprints on the floor leading toward the shower room here. It'd be hilarious if he sprinted. If, if the next episode, he sprints out of his cell saying, Where the boy at? What? Where the boy at, Rick? It's a wire reference, man. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, well, you didn't say who was sprinting out of his cell. I thought the boy was sprinting out of his cell. I'm like, no, why does Bob Angelo talk about himself? Up, man. Keep up. What the hell? <laughs> have you been drinking tonight? You're a little slow. <laughs> I have been drinking tonight, as a matter of fact. Got a 30-year relationship right. with this glass. Good on you. Uh, yeah, and there's a, a very similar shot to the shot that opens this episode where the kid goes into the bathroom and he splashes the water on his face. 
Right. Um, and then he turns on the shower after you're saying you know, it's pumping similar it to the one that that Rick started the day at. Yeah, exactly. Okay, um, cool. Because I was going to make that point too. Yeah, and then they they show the the shower running. The kid falls over dead, and then they get a very lingering shot on the shower head itself as the water slowly starts to trickle down to a uh, to to a drop. Water's looking ominous for sure. It is. That makes me think that there is something wrong with the water, but I don't know how that could be with only the kid being sick. Yeah, you might might not be wrong. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, he could be patient zero, like I said. Or Daryl's thumb be. was. <laughs> Maybe. Do you think that... Well, again, I, I want to save this because there's, there's a ton of feedback on it. All right. Um, sure. Okay. So, yeah, we'll leave that for later. Um... I just need to do Zombie Kill of the Week and Idiot Survivor of the Week, and I think we're good to go. Yeah, tough one. Tough one, because if you define it as strictly zombies being killed by other people's actions, you don't have a lot to choose from. Well, no, a zombie just has to die. Um, Oh, okay. So it's zombie death of the week. Essentially, yeah, yeah. Um, This is like that modern Amish furniture store we saw, or simply Amish (laughs) furniture store we saw to sell Tempur-Pedic mattresses. uh, The chain store that's... Oh uh, yeah, they churn they they churn that Tempur-Pedic stuff with a butter churn, man. Uh-huh. No technology, no uh, modern tech involved not, in those whatsoever. Not at all. Not at Even all. Even though they were also developed in coordination with NASA. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the Amish were important uh, early pioneers of NASA. Oh yeah, horse and buggy to the moon. <laughs> they're still working on it, but halfway there. <laughs> uh, all right, so I'm going to give Zombie Kill of the Week to Daryl for squashing that zombie's head. Mm. Um, I, I think that was a pretty good one. I I would stolen definitely zombie, have given it to Bob. It was stolen zombie kill of the week, in my opinion. It, absolutely, absolutely. I also forgot to talk uh, uh, about something that someone tweeted me about how when Daryl is up on those boxes of beer, it feels <laughs> just like Ash from uh, Army of Di- yes, Army it, of Darkness, where he's yeah, up yeah, on yeah. with the shotgun. Yeah, yeah that's pretty sweet. Uh, anyway, so yeah, zombie kill of the week there, and idiot survivor of the week. Has got to go to Zach for A, dying. That's kind of a big thing. And number two, A and number two, uh, for also his gun safety technique. It's terrible. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, it's hard to beat uh, Typhoid Boris for, you know, bringing death and disease into the camp. But you're right. That that uh, muzzle sweeping has got to go. Got to go. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's it for the recap, man. All right. We do have some promotion, right? We sure do. Do you want to talk about it? I think you should start off. <laughs> okay. So as you know, we are doing a Kickstarter, which is almost done. Um, we actually had someone uh, in our Breaking Bad Kickstarter back us for one episode. Um, his name's Brandon DeVito, and he is a dentist. Where is he located? He's in one of the Carolinas. North, Car- North Carolina. North Carolina. Um, and he was generous enough last time to... Sponsored one of our shows. This time he sponsored the entire season of The Walking Dead. So you're going to hear a lot about Brandon DeVito. Um, I, I, that's unbelievably generous. I just want to personally thank Brandon for that. That's a big chunk of our Kickstarter funds, and I seriously appreciate it. Yeah, I feel like we're in like uh, 
I don't know, like this game where you, you're on a playground and you're trying to see who go bats first and you keep putting your hand over the bat because he's like, hey, uh, you know, after the last Kickstarter, he, he, he uh, backed a single episode. He's like, hey, we want to throw some more money your way. And me and Jim are like, no, no, man, we can't just take – we can't just take charity. We got this Walking Dead thing coming up. Maybe you should uh, check that out. And then he sponsors the whole damn season. Yeah. And like, ah, oh, well, we're going to refund your money on Kickstarter. <laughs> it's like it's 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 a it's a cold financial <laughs> generosity war that we're it's it's engaged in a pitch battle with this gentleman. But yeah, seriously, uh, he's the official dentist of all move at this point. He is. And, if I'm uh, in North Carolina and my teeth break down, if I'm in. Any fucking Carolina. If I'm in, I might swing by when I'm in the the Walker Stalker Con. It's like only a 500 mile drive. It's got to be worth it, right? Just to shake his saliva covered hands. Just it's, exactly. I'm sure he's very hygienic, Jim. You should damn you for suggesting otherwise. I was making uh, a Daryl joke, but yeah, I know that, you were. It also I know you were. <laughs> this is our sponsor, man. Get it together. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be developing the legend of uh, Doctor Devito as we go through the season. Uh, in the meantime, for real people, take care of your teeth. Take it from a 37-year-old man. Uh, you'll want to start. You, 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 it's kind of like investing in your 401k. Nobody does it until it's too late. You want to start flossing your teeth and and switching with fluoride and and uh, getting one of those fancy Oral B brushes as soon as you can because you know uh, you end up my age and and you're a toothless wonder like Aaron. I got a nice set of dentures, um, <laughs> but it was super expensive and you know just just all. Uh, just, just, just all dentists everywhere would rather you avoid uh, avoid all that. So, hmm. all right. What other pimping do we have to do? <laughs> uh, our own stuff, uh, of course. We are part of the uh, Bald Move Network. You can find all of our television shows on baldmove.com as well as our erstwhile companions. Uh, the because, ladies from the Because Show, uh, Amy, Geraldine, and Susan. They are hilarious. Uh, they're real. Um, I've heard so many th- uh, people uh, give them a try and then they get hooked because it's, it's addictive listening. Uh, then also our friends, our best guy pals at the uh, personal arrogance, uh, Eric's the guy that designed our sweet Fiesta de Lori t-shirts. Um, check them out. They're very funny. Uh, he's also got a get off my running back football podcast that I think I want to be guest hosting with them this week. Um, it looks like that's what's going to, uh, uh, happen. And also last, but certainly not least, uh, Tom, and Kelly over at Up Yours Downstairs, they're starting up their coverage of the British airing of Downton Abbey. That's the reason day of existence. I tried to bust out the French word, and I forgot how to pronounce it. Got got pronunciation shy. Uh, but check them all out. You can find all that at baldmove.com. You can support us with our Amazon link at amazon.baldmove.com. For 24 more hours, you can kickstart our project to make uh, our coverage of this season better. You can do that TWD, Kickstarter dot baldmove.com you can also leave us reviews on itunes that's one of the primary ways we grow our audience and also uh tell a friend if you got someone that loves walking dead um but and uh loves good podcasting we would love to have them in the bald movement <laughs> okay feedback oh yeah it's time for that now too <laughs> yeah um, it is. Oh, I'm struggling with this guy's name right off the bat. I think it's Gilumi V. Oh, Guillaume. Come on. Guillaume? Okay, Guillaume V. Uh, like the season opener, maybe a little bit slow start, but halfway in the episode uh, by the commercial break, I said, this is the fucking season opener. Show me something. Um, but uh, then the scene with the falling zombies happened. It was really cool. And it almost felt like they asked themselves what new cool way we could kill zombies, and it worked for me. 
Honestly, I think they should brainstorm that every season and come up with 16 answers and film that thing. One per episode. That would be all right by me. Yeah. Is that okay with you, Jim? Absolutely. Last note, I like to end as well. Zombie attack from the inside uh, being set up, presumably. Nice way to set up the next episode. Although a single zombie should not be too damaging to them. That zombie boyfriend is not going to go splinter cell mode and stealth kill everyone, right? Anyway, my money on one of the kids being chewed. I know Jim has been waiting for that since the Dawn of the Dead remake. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think how much carnage is this guy going to cause before he gets corralled? Uh, I'm fairly certain he's going to cause a lot of carnage. I think uh, him dying in the middle of the night like that is going to give him a big advantage when it comes to killing people. Yeah, I'm worried about Beth, too, because they kind of conspicuously showed her in the scene before. Um, I'm not talking about her with Daryl. I'm talking about as her, she was writing in her uh, – they had like a wide-angle shot or a zoom shot of her writing in her journal. And I kind of – I I don't know. I I, I really like where her character is taken, so I'm not really ready for her to die at this point. Uh, Graham H. says, The premiere was a bit of a mixed bag for me, zombie head included. <laughs> it had its good moments, including Carol raising a child army, raining zombies, and characters getting a chance at normal conversations rather than trying to be dramatic. What bugged me a bit was mainly the side plot to Lady in the Woods, which was confusing. The episode in general was still good enough to get me excited for the season. the, the rest of the season. Can't wait for next week. Totally agree. Um, nothing but good signs. They kept a lot of the stuff uh, at a minimum that annoyed me of this show, and they pumped up a lot of stuff that delights me about this show to maximum. Yeah. So I'm standing behind my review. Nick from Illinois says, have one question for you guys. What do you think the cause of the kid dying and turning at the end was? Maybe disease can hit any time. No bite necessary, depending on the person's immune system. This is a very interesting turn of events, and I can't wait to see how this will impact the group and everyone in general. So, yeah, what, what we definitely know for sure is everyone is infected, right? If you, yep. regardless of whether you're bitten or however you die, if you die, you come back. Right. Uh, so, I mean, this kid probably just caught something. Uh, oh, Jesus. Probably caught swine flu. Terrible <laughs> joke. And uh, just, Are you saying Boris is a pig, pig fucker, Jim? <laughs> no. Speak plainly. Speak plainly if you're going to make that kind of accusation. No, not what I was saying. But uh, sure, yeah, he is. Okay. Well, that's what we'll call him uh, when he inevitably uh, rampages through the prison next week. I remember to call him pig fucker. Um. Right. I, what do you think it's possible that the zombie virus is mutating and now it's jumping to affect animals as well as people? I think that's certainly a possibility. Uh, I mean, with all the animals we saw and then uh, he was kind of managing the food, wasn't he, to a degree? Was he? I think he was doing some of the cooking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So that okay, might be email a about that later. Okay. Um. Daniel W. says, someone call Glenn Mazzara and tell him that you can have a great action scene and character development in the same episode. Here, here. Again, very much a, a much more balanced episode than anything we saw in the uh, Glenn Mazzara era, except for perhaps clear, guess who wrote that episode? I know exactly who wrote that. Scott Gimple. That's right, and he's running the show. So, uh, kind of, I was nervous when I saw him on Talking Dead the night because, man, he looks nervous and he looks young and he looks like a massive dork. Um, so do we <laughs> I know and guess how we would do taking over running that show <laughs> uh, exceptionally well 
Uh, well, we try to make it at least funny and entertaining. But uh, moving on, Doug J from Stephen City, Virginia, said, After last night's premiere, one of my first thoughts was, Jim will give it a pass because of the awesome Walker stuff, but Aaron's going to hate it. Oh. I was shocked to hear shocked to hear the positive take you guys had on it. And eight, are you effing kidding me? Walker's dropping through the roof was a nice set piece, sure, but the rest was a friggin' mess. It started with Rick's batteries. Really? They suddenly find a cache of Duracells and he's wasting it on bad country western music? And Herschel's got a foot now? Then we beat Beth's new boyfriend. Great, a new character. Oh, wait, he's dead. Carl's got a new bestie. Oh, wait, he's dead. Maggie's preggers? Oh, wait, she's not. At least Tyrell's still a badass and also finally getting some. Oh, wait, now he's a big puss who hates killing walkers on the fence and hates killing walkers on the raid. And Carol's calling Daryl Pookie? What? TF. And the whole Rick sequence is a sham. Never mind that he's close enough to the prison to think he doesn't need a gun, but so far away that she doesn't even know there's this huge state penitentiary just through the trees. But at least he's bringing in a new survivor. Oh, wait, it's a trap. She wants to feed him to her Zed head. But then she just offs herself and begs him to let her turn. So why didn't she just do that while she was alone and get it over with? And then he walks away and lets her turn? I don't recall a scene where just a few minutes walk away, the prison is being overrun with walkers, and they can't kill him fast enough? I could go on, but now it's just making me pissed off. Uh, I think he's illustrating the greater Aaron theory that once a person breaks with their suspension of disbelief, that they just turn into a rabid, nitpicking monster. Um, he yeah. says he says he could give the episode a six, uh, but it's more suited for a slightly generous five. Says we dropped the ball in this episode. If I want all positive lip service, I'll tune into The Talking Dead, but I expect more from Bald Move. Ha! I think you Woo! know to expect more from us. If an episode is bad, we will tell you. I don't think this episode was bad by any stretch. That's the thing. I mean, we this is the first time I've been blasted by several people for liking something that they didn't like. Usually I get blasted for not liking something that other people do. So it's a novel experience. But again, it's what I truly thought after watching the episode. I oh, will wait. Say we that- have another sponsor to announce. AMC is sponsoring this episode. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Gimple is holding a head, a gun to our heads. Uh, he heard our Mazera talk of uh, torturing him last season. He's turning the tables. Um, no, man, we're just we're just telling how we feel. So sorry we uh, didn't deliver the goods for this week. Hopefully, we'll keep telling the truth and we'll align somewhere down the line. Um, Michael D says, hey, guys, happy to see you're back after this thing called the season three finale. I guess a lot of people were worried that we would just like hang it up, but. Uh, well, they the finale was in. really bad. It was. It broke us. In fact, we didn't even do a wrap-up cast. We were so bummed about it. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, they, they sucked us back in. Uh, it says a pretty solid opener. Felt it moved a little too slow at the beginning, establishing a lot of old and new characters. However, definitely picked up the pace in Act 2. Got a little worried about all the characters, but then remember Gimple is the one who wrote clear and eight miles out, or 18 miles out, so he'll probably balance the characters throughout each episode. That's what I'm, I'm hoping uh gimple has talked about each character having their own storyline i like that maybe we'll get more than one man storyline throughout the season unlike the sophia and the war with the governor i like that in season one there wasn't really a major plot but things just happening with consequences i think it's uh i made that clear it's hard oh wait sorry he's making it aside i i kind of like that too and it's i think season one is one of the stronger seasons for that very reason we were just finding out things along with the survivors and Rolling with the punches. Yeah, it didn't feel as claustrophobic either. I mean, we had, you know, an entire season on a farm, an entire season at a prison. 
Um, at least during the prison stuff, we had Woodbury. Otherwise, that would have felt really claustrophobic. Um, he also says that he disagrees, thinks Walker Kill of the Week should go to Sasha or Michonne because they were kicking ass in those in the Walmart with their swords. Um, uh, he says, also, you said you weren't really happy about Michonne looking for the governor, but I actually like it. Like you said, it's the next logical step for her character to go. Yes, the finished product will tell us if it's actually good or not, but that's with all storylines. True enough. Yeah. True enough. I don't know. It, I'm really up in the air on that one, I guess. I mean, I don't dislike the idea enough to say that it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, but at the no, same time, right. I just – I, you know, she's such a cool character. I'd rather see her helping out the group. But Yes, whatever. yes. Um, and I guess – you know, one possibility is that she. This is just an aberration. They're saying what she's been doing for six months, and now she's going to be sucked back in with mm. the group, which is my hope. But you know, as far as also giving this thing a second chance, I mean, that's my philosophy of the season. It's a new showrunner. We know he's got some writing talent. He's got an eye for getting perform. You know, for for what actors can do what with what material. Um, and so far, I'm cautiously optimistic. So. Uh, S Dub in Cincinnati, my new adopted hometown, says I purposely skipped rewatching season three because I was afraid I'd choose not to watch season four premiere. Absence makes the hearts grow fonder was the key sentiment here. I didn't like the Blair Walker's <laughs> I didn't like the Blair Subwalker uh Blair Walker subplot with Rick, but I think her message that you can't wash away your sins in this world will be thematic this season. Kudos to the gimbal for a jarring plot twist in Walmart. Introduce a new black character. Get him stuck on her shelf with walkers all around. Kill the new white guy instead. It's a shocking <laughs> development of Brave New World. True enough, S-Dub. True enough. Uh, Scott L. from Fort Collins, Colorado, says, As far as the season opener go, it's a solid return to her favorite zombie apocalypse. Not as balls to the wall as last season's opener, which I don't remember being that action-packed. That's one where they took the prison, right? Yeah, right. It was, I mean, I think that the wa- the the Walmart sequence is easily the equal of that. I don't know. It was almost all episode long they were taking that prison. They had to take the yard, and then they had to go in the the under the tombs, as they called them later. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, Anyway, uh, it had moments of bringing up some of the major problems of society trying to rebuild from the apocalypse faces. As you guys touched on the instant cast, having to worry and watch for every single person who dies can be a tricky prospect. Just think about all the accidental or anonymous deaths that happen in this country alone. It boggles the mind and how the survivors would have to change their behavior, even if they manage to overcome this current zombie plague. Think of the people who get mauled by bears on hikes, buried in lock slides or avalanches, capsized in rafts or in raging rivers, fall from cliffs, etc., etc. Even in recovered society, any of these things could lead to another outbreak. So you have to wonder what kind of rules would be established in the resurgent Romero or Kirkman-style rebuilt civilization. Maybe there's a story in there. Yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm really curious to see what happens with that because he's right. I mean, even after you think you have this thing under control, everybody who dies is coming back. It could yep. it could break out again very very easily. Yep, you can't ever let your guard down. Uh, Jeff F from New York says, "I think as a setup episode for the rest of the season, it's pretty close to perfect and shows that the writing staff have learned." What he's been saying all along, take the character development symbolism of season one and two and combine them with the -the over-the-top zombie act from season three. I can get down that formula. Uh, Dialogue is snappier, and it takes the characters that were normally wooden, such as Michonne, and gives them personality. Michonne actually laughing outside of the big spot with Daryl is a welcome change for her character. 
The woman leading Rick off to her camp allowed Rick to know that no matter how happy you are now, your actions will come back to haunt you. And I don't think the concept of having to deal with these disease outbreaks unrelated to zombie virus has ever been explored in a zombie survival situation before. Jim, you're the expert. Has this ever been explored in zombie fiction before? Uh, has what ever been explored? Sorry, I missed that. The fact that you're having to deal with just outside of zombie outbreaks, just people getting sick and dying from normal mundane causes. Oh, uh, that old thing. I, I don't know. I've never read uh, anything like that, and I've never – they usually don't have time in a zombie movie to even think about dealing That's with true. that. I mean even something like 28 Days Later where it is kind of this more uh, grandiose time scale. They come back from like 28 Days Later and 28 Weeks Later – and they still don't deal with anything like that. So yeah, you got two hours of screen time. How can you d- develop anything like that? Yeah, and then I've seen very few zombie series which have kind of this really long time span. Uh, I think I've only seen one other one. And what one no, was that? I, I haven't seen it. Uh, what one is that? Shit, what is it called? Keep going. I'll look it up because people actually right. want to know. There's a fan edit that's really good. That because it's a uh, it, it's a reality show. That breaks out um, into a zombie play. Oh, yeah. I watched that with a couple of those episodes with you. Sure. Yeah. And it's actually really good when you fan edit all the bullshit out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he also said that this episode, while not up to Breaking Bad standards, shows that you can have a slightly intelligent and thought-provoking show while uh, satisfying the need for zombie action. To be able to have a conversation with someone asking what they thought the buried gun meant uh, is exactly what I want from this show. I agree. Um there hasn't been a lot of long-form zombie fiction, and the fact that they're finally getting around to exploring some of the cool things about it and, like, you know, the daily survival and what it would mean to society, I think is great news. Yeah, um, I'm and totally I maybe getting too optimistic about the way the season's going, listening to myself. Uh, Rachel, formerly from Cleveland, now in Honolulu, congratulations on the massive upgrade, says it looks like Patrick is going to contain... Oh, Patrick, he's not Boris, he's Patrick. Patrick Pigfucker. It's nice alliteration. I like it. Uh, He's going to contaminate everyone with whatever illness he has. He's shown cooking food with Carol in the beginning of the episode. There you go, Jim. And he hacks all over to shower water at the end. Whatever this illness is, it moves ridiculously fast because he's fine in the morning and dead by night. Daryl's thumbs, man. They don't play. Uh, There's a subtle emphasis on the lack of sanitation this episode. Daryl spitting in his hand. Rick sticking his grubby hands in the communal rainwater barrel with gunk floating in it. Then splashing his face right over it so it drips back in. Patrick hacking over the place. You'd think they'd bring back some hand sanitizer when they go out on runs. I have to prioritize that. You would think so. Uh, that reality series is called Dead Set. Okay. Yeah, that was cool. I like that. They even get, like, ambushed by other, like, they paid actors to come by with, like, paintball guns to pretend like they're, like, to have, like, a little governor subplot. It's, it's, it gets crazy. Yeah. It's, but it's good. It's the series itself is not great. You have to take out a lot of bullshit to make it really good. No, uh, I, like I said, I thought the reality show is entertaining. If they had a fan edit where they edit and made it nice and crisp, that seems very cool. Yeah. Um, Evelyn from Mexico says, hey, guys, love that you're back with The Walking Dead. couple of observations. Carol Daryl is not happening. She wants it to, but for some reason he doesn't. Boom. Thank you for being on my side, Evelyn. I appreciate that. Disagree, Evelyn. Ha- you're totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, a.k.a. Harry, Beta Harry Potter, I'm pretty sure is one of the, uh, the asthmatics that was saved by Daryl. Um, 
Probably. A recommendation a recommendation from your show. Maybe we as an audience can guess the profession of Daryl before the turn. And at the end of the season, the most inventive, or in this case, show revealed, authentic reveal, gets a prize. Maybe a T-shirt or an E-card. I love it. I love it. Let's do that. Uh, yes. Uh, we will have we will set, take all your submissions, um, unique submissions, and the the if you have duplicate submissions, the first one that gets an in gets gets the credit for it. We will collect them all. We'll come up with some kind of web voting thing. And do we want or do we want to make be the decision? Do we want to be the deciders here of what the best and most creative is if they don't actually yeah. reveal the truth. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's not do the vote because that always turns out into like some kind of crazy tie that we got to break anyway. So, in Jim and I's sole discretion, uh, we will select a winner and we will let you pick out any T-shirt in the Bald Move shop, uh, any of our Daryl Dixon, any of our uh, Walking Dead T-shirts, anything that you want in there, and we will ship it to you free. Yeah, absolutely. That's you, awesome. You down with that? Yeah, All right. totally. Lindsay from Oregon says the best part of the episode for me was the zombies. They were superb and they stole the show. The makeup was fantastic. Every zombie looked unique and the details were creepily awesome. I like the show really that they really outdid themselves. And I can't remember an episode where the zombies looked so disgustedly exquisite. I totally agree. What this show is able to continue to do on a very modest budget is amazing. And they just keep on getting better with practice, man. Every year we say that about one of their set pieces. We do, and it's uh, it's Greg Nicotero. I mean, this guy is he is the best in the industry at this stuff, and it shows. Uh, my biggest complaint of the episode was the repetitiveness of the characters and themes. Rick struggling with his sanity, Carl with his humanity, Glenn with not being able to protect Maggie, searching for the governor. I realize these are all valid points to dwell on, minus the damn governor. But nonetheless, I find myself getting tired of them, like stabbing zombies through a chain link fence. I've just had enough. Um, are you guys concerned with the redundant plot points or am I just acting like a crazy lady walking through the woods? Um, I see your point, but I also see a lot of new threats and new characters and new themes. Um, and I think storytelling can be circular, you know, kind of like a song where you have different themes and stanzas and, and melodies that kind of repeat themselves, but they have to have different variations. Um, I mean, time will tell if we have a, like, like you know, Rick, Shane, Laurie, where the characters not only keep going the same themes, but they keep going back and forth and change their mind and, and stretching out the exact same dialogue and the exact same themes in the exact same way, episode after episode, that's what gets me annoying. Um, you know, if they riff off, I mean, Rick going crazy is something that happened. Carl shooting a kid is something that happened. It doesn't bother me that they continue to address that if they can keep it interesting. What's your take, Jim? Yeah, as long as those those plots evolve, I guess is the thing. I mean, um, the the idea that these things happened last season has to factor into the characters' motivations and decisions. Now, that's just part of good storytelling. Um, as long as they don't harp on that, as long as those don't stagnate and they keep moving forward with that, there is some end point that they're getting to that will resolve uh those issues either way positively or negatively i don't care uh moving on to ms opinion uh she says i presume is she the scene where rick encounters force woman was creepy her shadowy black figure stealthily moving behind him shudder and then her husband under the tarp very disturbing 
That's the creepiest zombie in the entire episode. Why is Rick constantly haunted by pale skeletal woman with long stringy black hair? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, nice one. Uh, when the first zombie fell through the ceiling during the store run, my 10-year-old daughter said, yay, zombie pinata. Also, love this. Herschel, these leaves are going to be in the shade, so we won't get any good fruit from it. So we just pinch it off here. These little bristles will take root, and we'll have a whole new plant in the shade where the fruit won't grow. <laughs> That's pretty solid point. Yeah, uh, you know, it's like, uh, cut, cut. Uh, look, you need to plant it outside the shade. You just went on about how this won't grow because it doesn't get shade. You can't. Do you, did you even read the script, Scott? He's just showing up uh, for the paycheck. Uh, Jenny points out, I'm still chewing on the scene with Carol showing the children knives. Sees Carl and pleads for him not to tell his dad. What the hell is up with that? Why wouldn't they want the kids to show how to protect themselves? Yes, it's an important attempt to give them a childhood somehow, but if their throats are torn out, reading Alice in Wonderland won't seem as magical. Why doesn't Rick want them to learn about weapons? It makes no sense, and I hope it's clarified in upcoming episodes. Yeah, I, I really feel like it's not supposed to make sense yet, and we'll get more of that story as we go into the next few episodes. We're on your side there, Jay. Also an observation I found a little curious. At the beginning of the episode, Rick looks up at some walkers along the fence, and one of them has blood running from their eyes. He seemed to do a double take, and then when the boy dies at the end after infecting the water supply, wasn't he also bleeding from his eyes, among other places? We actually checked this out, um, because that's something that we had as a theory, too. But it turns out, if you look at that scene closely, he is not bleeding from his eyes. No, At it's all. like as he fell, he like hacked into his hand and then rubbed it on his face. But it doesn't. I mean, it's it's like doesn't go any higher than his cheekbones. Yeah, it's across so, like his nose, but it all is heading away from his eyes. Yeah, so that's what we made out of uh, you know watching that a couple times, freeze framing it in high def. Reasonable people might be able to disagree, but I'll. It was weird. It's kind of like remember in season one where Rick was riding through Georgia and they had this one hero zombie that was like dressed in this like purple suit uh-huh. and it like really focused on him. And you're like, who the fuck is, is this, this, this guy going to do something important later? And then nothing came of it. Yeah. It was I the Jim Carrey zombie. Yeah. I think sometimes Greg Nicotero is just really pleased with his work. And it's like, yeah, I get this guy some more screen time. Could Look be sweet ass eyes, man. They're melting out of his face. <laughs> I worked it was. Like six hours getting that effect. <laughs> It was really disgusting. I thought that was one of the best zombies in the whole thing. So, Tyler D. from the UK, last non-spoiler email, says, I get the feeling that the premiere referenced season three's sixth episode, sixth episode hounded in a small mm-hmm. way. I'm sure we remember that Rick imagined getting multiple phone calls throughout. Oh, Didn't yeah, we, we already read that. this. Yeah. yeah, my fault. Right. I was like, start my brain. I went zombie mode for a minute. <laughs> the whole reason I pulled that into the feedback or the main section so we wouldn't have to do that. So, fuck me. I screwed up. If you want to send us some more email, you can do so at watchingdead at baldmove.com. You can follow me on my live uh, show watches on Facebook at facebook.com slash baldmove. Join Jim holding down the Twitter for it with his live tweets on twitter.com slash baldmove, at baldmove, whatever. That's a main cast. We've got a little bit of spoilers. It's mostly going to be talking some maybe some implications. Uh, We got a, a little note from... Uh, Evelyn from Mexico. It's really minor, non-megawatt spoilers. So if you're up on the comics, you probably have no fear whatsoever. Um, otherwise, we'll we'll see you next week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Until then, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. 24 hours for the Kickstarter. Get at it. 
let's get into the spoilers. Yeah, and we're not so we're not doing the whole recap of the uh, spoiler, the 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 preview for next week. We decided that that was dumb. Lat you know last year, and we're never doing it again. Um, but uh, what what do you think? I mean, it was kind of like one of those this season on Walking Dead. So they showed a whole yeah. bunch of season episodes worth. I thought on the whole it looked very very cool. Yeah, they it felt like they gave away quite a bit. I mean, we know that there is going to be some kind of zombie outbreak within the prison, which I think we can safely say is from what's his name Patrick dying. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we'll see. It could be multiple. Yeah, I, I mean, and then instant. we know they're going to be challenging the fence as well. So a lot of zombie action from this season, I assume. Um, yeah, the fence stuff looks crazy. Uh. Let's just get right to Evelyn from Mexico. She asks, uh, do you think baby Judith is going to die next episode? So baby Judith is on borrowed time. She died with Lori in the comic book okay. during the final assault on, you know, this is, that's what I'm saying. Like we're off the page pretty far on, uh, the comic because in the comic, uh, the prison got overrun by Woodbury they got overrun by zombies at the same time because the governor used, you know, zombies to kind of penetrate the fence as well. Lori got shot in cold blood holding Judith, and they all died. So we've talked about how the baby is a liability in the zombie apocalypse. I don't know that that applies this season because they seem to be setting up the prison to be a relative haven of safety. Well, there's also the idea that the governor is still out there, and I feel – like, maybe he's closer to the prison than we think, and Michonne is kind of going too far out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, she's going 70 miles out. What if the governor is just rounding up zombies in the area and bringing them toward the fence? Yeah. That's possible. I'm, I'm super worried because I just wish they were following the comic book a little bit more closely because I think that they have some really cool arcs in between, like, after the prison. And... I'm worried because it seems like the logical thing to do is for the governor, you know, the thing that was keeping him relatively sane and relatively peaceful is the fact that he saw himself as this governor for this, you know, town Mm -hmm. and he had people to protect. Well, now that's all out the window. He's driven mad by his vengeance for his daughter. He's got his two most trusted lieutenants. I think that the logical thing for him to round up a band of psychopaths like himself and come back to the prison for vengeance but that is kind of stepping on a later storyline in the Walking Dead comic uh, where, where they bring introduce a character called Negan, which is basically the governor on steroids. He's an openly amoral, violent psychopath that Rick's group has to contend with. And I don't know, man. It feels like that's where they're going with that character. And if they do that, then they can't do it later. It'll feel like... Like I made a joke today with one of my buddies. We're talking. I'm like, the confrontation with the governor is going to at best feel like Death Star 2 from Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And if they do that and also preclude using the Negan plot, which is the current plot line, it's going to be really disappointing for me. Hmm. So they kind of can't have both of those things happen. And may, the only thing is I'm thinking what would be really cool is if they're doing the long con rope-a-dope and we don't see the governor this whole fucking season and maybe next season too, and then he will come back later on to be the Negan character once we've kind of forgotten about him. Because he's still still under contract for five seasons, correct? Uh, I would assume so, yeah, if he's on a standard contract. 
Well, they they talked about that last last year. So, um, I mean, maybe we'll see an image of him like at the finale of this season doing something nefarious that the group doesn't know. But I think that would be – that's my hope now that we just don't see the governor for a while until people um, – you know, kind of like uh, how the the Jane plotline was handled in Breaking Bad, where it's like, man, they're I guess they're just never going to address it, and then when you least <laughs> expect it, bam, they they hit you with they, it. Yeah, uh, so that that could be interesting. Uh, what would they do in the meantime? I mean, they can't stretch out the zombie threat this whole season. I don't think. Well. It would be interesting if, like, a herd of zombies overrun the prison. Mm-hmm. So instead of the governor driving them out, it's this massive walkers that collapse the fences and all that. And maybe I almost wonder if that's going to be the mid-season finale. Okay, I could see that. And so then, one of the more interesting parts of The Walking Dead is in when they're on the move and when they're in transit. And those seem like they'd be cheap episodes to film. You just go to some random section of highway, shut it down for the afternoon do some filming and you move on. And they have like a series of like mini adventures. They have like these six episode, they, they, you know, for example, again, if you're not up on the comics, turn off. Um, but they deal with the, a band of what they call the hunters. They're like cannibals. Um, yeah. there's a really cool segment with that. Um, uh, there's this interesting thing where they have to escort this guy who says he's working for the government, the Washington DC, uh, that leads into the the modern storyline where they're dealing with big, big sections of humanity. They're starting to reboot civilization. Like think of Woodbury, like five or six times as large and and more and better run, and like a loose community of of networks of, of cities like that. These these shining beacons on the hill of of humanity versus these bloodthirsty psychopaths that are kind of holding them in thrall. That would be epic if they can get it to there. Um, yeah. But the thing is. If if they get it if they if if they if they go through this too fast with sixteen episode seasons they're going to catch up to the book and maybe that's one of the reasons they're going so far off the page is they're trying to get their writers used to like hey let's take the concepts and move it because the other thing is they never explore this concept of people just dying in natural causes in the comics they never really go into the really I, I wonder call, if that's something I, he's saving. They, they never go into the more Robinson Crusoe aspects of rebooting civilization. I mean, the most impressive they've done is like you know tr- trying to make their own ammunition. Um, huh. So I, I, I think there's a lot to mind there. It's just they have to either decide that they want to just have a clean break with the comic, which maybe that's what they're already doing, or they need to kind of kind of pump the brakes and not stretch it out like season two stretch it out, but don't be in a hurry to to burn through the classics too. Yeah, maybe yeah. take some liberties with the story um, to kind of bridge the gaps between the the sections of story, you know, to buy right, some time right. until they write some more. Right. Um, I don't well, know. That's my thoughts. Anyway, it feels like a cast. I think so. I saw you're yeah. getting so – you, you look like you're ready for sleepy time, so. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I still got to edit this thing and do a whole bunch of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. So. I know what you mean. No sleepy time for me. All right, well, uh, let's leave it at that, and we'll see all the Brave Spoiler Warriors uh, next week. Uh, Don't forget, we're live Facebooking, live tweeting, and live instant casting as soon as the episode's up, so stay tuned at baldmove.com slash video if you want some more of that. And thanks for everybody watching live with us. Hope it was entertaining, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Yep, see you later.